Welcome to the Sports Memory Podcast. I'm here with Newman, Marcus Anthony, and this is Derek Black. So we're going to jump right in uh, to uh, some NFL news, obviously some pre-combine stuff, and uh, also the NFL CBA coming up, the negotiations, some pl- uh, preliminary stuff there, uh, especially on the owner side and, and some player reactions. Uh, college basketball is ramping up and heading into, into the tournament season, and <clears throat> the uh, NHL trade deadline has come and gone, uh, a lot of big moves there, and we'll talk about how that's going to impact the, the leagues heading into the playoffs. So Joe Burrow, uh, we get some combine news, his his measurables come back on, on his hand size, only nine inches, which I mean, I know, only nine inches. Uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he he kind of takes it lightheartedly, I mean, is he's I'm really excited for him, I, I really like his, his, his kind of characteristics, his, his poise, demeanor. his demeanor, he's just, he seems like a really just chill laid back funny guy i'm torn on him um but before i g- talk about why i think are he's you, gonna are bust you torn on him because he's a bengal <laughs> and, and you're a stealer he's, he's not a bengal yet <laughs> well um i'm all about you know there's, there's a lot of measurables that really make sense when you're talking about evaluating a prospect sure um shuttles um sometimes strength but obviously the bench press is irrelevant but more agility uh 40 yard dash obviously why does it matter if a guy is producing on and off if his if his hand is a quarter of an inch difference than um, you know everyone else? Obviously, I know they're a little bit small as far as your prototypical uh, quarterback, but Ryan Leaf had pretty good hands, and that obviously didn't pan out. I think it's a relevant I measurement think, just for media hype. I think quarterback's a tough a tough position too because there's only one plays at a time, so it's not like you're getting this huge uh, data set. Where you can say, "Yep, because his hands are this or that or whatever," and that doesn't take into account, you know, the other upper body strength. Does he have small, strong hands? Or, you know, obviously everybody points to Dante Culpepper being kind of the example of, "Oh, what small hands can do." But do we know that's why? Maybe he just didn't take care of the football. Maybe he didn't. He was he held on to it too long. Maybe there's other issues that led to his fumble issues. Um, obviously, he has no problem throwing the ball in in college. And you look at is the difference between a nine inch width or, or wingspan yes. on your hand uh, and, and nine and a half, like Patrick Mahomes, like Patrick Mahomes has no problem throwing the football. Like I think he's nine a quarter or something like that. A pretty yeah. insignificant difference. And he, he the, the funny thing is Burrow goes and he, he comments and he's like, Oh, I guess I'm considering retirement now because my tiny hands are, are going to cause a lot of fumbles so or whatever. I saw us make a meme about that and Patrick, quote that. Yeah. And I just assumed it was a fake meme, like a joke. No. And then I saw it like five other places. I'm like, wait a second. Like legit, that's that's a legit yeah. quote. I love that legitimate tweet. He he's having fun with it, and then Patrick Mahomes comments and's like, "Yeah, I've got small hands too." That's what they said to, said to me, and I think, feel like I'm doing okay. I believe in you. Yeah. Um. So I think that's pretty good and funny. Uh. I think there there's other concerns for Joe Burrow in terms of his physicality. I guess he's slight of build. Um. And there's actually some people who are questioning his arm strength. Not a big I sample think, size either. I think arm strength is significantly over. Uh, emphasize tactic, and I've said this before, the only quarterback to ever beat Tom Brady for a division in the history of Tom Brady being a starting the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots is Chad Pennington, who <laughs> is well-known for not having strong arm strength. I mean, so right? is Brady. Brady um, came in the league, and that, one of his biggest knocks on his scouting report was weak arm strength, can't really spin it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I mean, like, one, that's a thing that you can improve, and two, it, it's overrated. Like, uh, Jamarcus Russell had tremendous arm strength, and, you know, he. we all know what happened with him. So, th- that whole thing's whatever, overblown. Um, 
it's just funny. It's one of those things. It's combine season, so everything is going to get sure. magnified and leaked, and they're looking for some story, right? Because the NFL people who work for ESPN have to do something. They have to report on something, so they're going to take all these little things and, and, and run with them. Well, you know, you know, one thing I found funny, um, you know, kind of digging into the combine, uh, risers and guys who are falling uh, when no one's done anything at that point. Yeah, there's been a, another down of football. The guys are draft stocks well, are going all over the place. Well, they're like, yeah, the, so I, I don't even remember the guy's name, but he's a, uh, oh, well, they thought he was going to come in at 6'2", 240, and he came in at 6'2", and an eighth, and 245. He's going to get drafted a round higher. I'm like, come on, are you kidding yeah. me? The only thing I, I really think should impact draft stock as far as, you know, not playing football, if a guy either does really well or really poorly in an interview – um, if you go to do the board work and, and he just doesn't understand the game conceptually, like those are things that, yeah, sure, I see a knock. But if a guy looks fast on tape, has been able to run and compete with people in, in a good division, and then runs a slightly slower 40 than you thought he did, is that a big deal? No. And I, I think one thing, though, in terms of some of these guys fluct- like fluctuating in terms of how they're viewed is sure. there's tape, right? And not all of that tape has been looked at, right? So. B- That's before, fair. Before the season, your guys that go to Buffalo. Yeah. So, yeah, like, I, I so like, uh, for instance, Todd McShay is like talked about. You know, him and Mel Kuyper have their podcast where they evaluate some of the players and they talk about them, and they're progressively working through all the tape on all these guys, right? So it's like I haven't seen every but all the tape on everybody, That's and then fair. they put in a guy's tape and they're like, "Oh, he's actually pretty impressive. I like this guy. He's rising up my board." So and those I, I see that for like your sense. your South Dakotas or your you know, Buffaloes or your those kind of schools. Specifically, like, they're if a guy about went to a, LSU, yeah, and all of a sudden you're finding tape you didn't know about. Like you've seen competition, sure, yeah. Um, but specifically, one instance they're talking about is this kid Duggar from Lenore Rhine. So sure. who's, who's a safety who they think is Pete McShay's like maybe he's my top three. He's the top three safety for me in the board. Yeah, that's an impressive like standing sure. out of Lenore Rhine, which is a tiny school. Sure. I mean, one of our football coaches in, in high school went there yeah. and uh, he was not a very good football player. So the fact that he went there and was able to start like, you know, whatever, but nothing against Lenore Ryan. But uh, yeah. And then, so another thing with Joe Burrow, um, he had the, the quote where he, he said, you know, uh, they asked him, would he go to Cincinnati? If, and he's like, he he just wants to play, which is the right way to handle it. I guess theoretically he could kind of Eli Manning force his way out of Cincinnati if he didn't want to go there. But he's from Ohio. Like, yeah. and it's I think so Eli, close to home. The Eli Manning thing is a tough example because uh, the, I think the, the second word there, Manning, uh, is what leveraged that. Like, I, I don't well, think, I mean, not John, being a Manning, that would have been tough. John Elway did it too. But he had baseball. Bo Jackson did it too. Had he baseball. also had baseball. Yeah. Um, so, but when you make a, when you, it's easier to bluff somebody when you actually have a, another option. Sure. <laughs> um, but theoretically he could just be like, I'm not going to sign. I'm going to re-enter the draft next year, sure. which is essentially, <laughs> which is essentially what Bo Jackson did. Yeah. Um, but how does that get looked at and all that stuff? And for sure. So, um, but yeah, I, I mean, he said, he's like, it's like, I can go home for dinner every night. Like it's two hours away from right. from from where I live, from where I'm from in Ohio. Better be some like, good home cooking. Yeah. So let's talk about the, uh, the the CBA. So the owners have now passed on uh, the first version of what they've agreed to from a collective bargaining agreement for, uh, to make sure we you know, we, we avoid uh, a work stoppage. I'm still in the camp that I think a work stoppage is is pretty much inevitable. Uh, just 
on some of the gaps, they have a unique problem where they're just trying to decide how do we split up all this money that we've made. Uh, they don't have the problems that some of the other sports have where some teams are, are not making mo- money. It's not l- much less of a problem in the NFL. Uh, most teams are, I think almost all teams are at least profitable. Oh, if you're not making money in the NFL, one, you're blatantly lying right. or you're a complete moron because right. just the TV contracts alone are guaranteeing like every team should be making like billions, sure. basically. Jersey sales, all yeah. that. And even the, the worst teams in attendance are still 65, 70% capacity. Like yeah. it's it's not an issue there. Um but there there's some pretty big some pretty big gaps. You talk about expanding the playoff field. Uh, you talk <laughs> about adding another football game, which I know is a, a big thing that people are against uh, from a player standpoint. Um, the, the how they treat middle, uh, marijuana and, and again a revenue share. Uh, obviously, some players are unhappy with a, a minority share, even though uh, it's proposed to go to forty eight and a half percent from forty eight percent, so close to half. But a lot of players feel like you know we're the product. Uh, we sh- we should be a lot closer to a fifty fifty share. Uh, yeah, no, you could be the product, but I mean, the NFL is really the one who's doing the dirty work, getting getting contracts, getting people on the stands. Um, these guys are t- well taken care of. Um, but well, the top end, well, yeah, the top end, the but... bottom guys. And, and I saw some comments too about this today. It's, it's easy for these stars to come out and say, we don't want this. We're not going to do this because they have leverage and they have savings to fall back on. If you're a guy who's a, a fringe roster guy, uh, who's 23 years old, if the, you miss a year, now you're 24 you might lose your spot to some other fringe 23 year old or 22 year old. Yeah. But you know, so some of these, um, uh, lower value guys, you know, the bot, the league minimum type guys. Sure. Um, that's one of the ways the owners have kind of snaked in to kind of leverage themselves. Uh, obviously, letting everyone vote and declaring marijuana is huge. But when you're talking about these young 23, 24-year-old guys who, um, and I, I don't know the exact number, but let's just say ballparks, half a million dollars is your league minimum, it's, give or it's take. It's pretty much right around I think it's, I think it's 650 yeah, so yeah, yeah, right okay. there. So, so what they're doing is, and I'm completely against the 17th game and more teams in the playoffs. I'm, I'm, it's going to taint a lot of things. But what they're doing is, hey, all you guys, guess what? Um, you're going to play one more game, but now you're going to make another 20%. You're making $100,000 extra just for that one game, and we want you to vote on this. All the all, Every league minimum guy is going to be like, hell yeah, I want this. Is, that's a, you know They'll make over $300,000. Yeah, they have different and, needs for sure. Yeah. So, so the way these negotiations happen with it is – it's, hey, you give us something and we give you something. So the fact that they're doing the marijuana thing, if that's a leverage point for me, that's an absolutely absolute joke because there's no reason that they should be penalizing their own players for using marijuana. Like, uh, it's proven. There's tons of research in terms of, like, it's way better than if they're taking, you know, getting shot up with all kinds of stuff that yeah. they shoot them up with on a regular basis. So let, let's take that off the table as that should not be part of this negotiation process. Sure, it's getting ratified into the CBA, and that's good for the players, but it's not something that they should be giving up any leverage by uh, by get, gaining, right? Yeah. Um, the extra half percent of revenue, it works out to be like multi-millions of dollars. Oh, yeah, but huge number. let's be realistic. It's still, if you're playing an extra game, that extra revenue in terms of that stuff, the owners are also getting ton a ton more. Right. Um, because they're still taking the lion's share of that. Um, so, I mean, I have some issues. I think the 17-game season, they're, for the players, they should absolutely be concerned about health. Um, and then, you know, for the playoffs... Adding those extra teams, is that not going to add extra games to the playoffs? And it also waters down the product a little bit, right? 
Oh, w- without a doubt. Um, I'm I'm very comfortable with um, the way it's set up now. I, I don't, you know, obviously 17 games, it's just more of like records as far as single season and, uh, you know, career. But I really don't think we need more playoff teams because then you start talking about your participation trophy as well. Congratulations, you were in the top one-third of, you know, 30 teams. You know, come on. We got it would it would help from a player's perspective because you would get a little bit of a playoff share, right? For that extra game for one extra team um per per conference. Yeah. So there so there is a benefit for the players on that side of it. Um but only for only for some, you're only getting you just get a playoff bonus and that, and that's really structured in your contracts and it's never on your rookie deals. Um, you know, it's in your resign, you get your, you yeah, get your I think, more money. I think the, the standard game. minimum for like rookie contract guys, I think it's like $50,000 or $40,000 for a playoff game. It's like, it's not much. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not, it's not worth it to, like you said, water down the product. We, we don't, I, I'm very comfortable with yeah. exactly where we're at. Um, so yeah, Aaron Rodgers came out and said he's voting no on it. Uh, <laughs> he has a lot of say and a lot of, and, and publicly he did this, uh, um, Russell Wilson also did, and Richard Sherman did. Those are just three big names that I saw. Marquise Pouncey had the best one, I believe. Marquise Pouncey posted some sort of rant. I didn't actually watch the video, but I'm sure it was well thought out and and unarticulated. (laughs) Uh, Point. But like like you said, I mean, so that's a 6.2% increase in in games played and a 1% increase in revenue share. Half a percent. But no, I'm saying 1%. That half percent over... The half of a hundred, you know what I mean. Yeah. So it's a one okay. percent increase if you from forty eight to forty eight point five, roughly, um, and and then a, a, roughly a six point or six point two percent increase from sixteen to seventeen games. So if I'm if I'm the players, I'm saying great. You want to increase our percent of games as much? You need to re- increase at least our revenue share by half of that. If they're going to be putting out again more chance for them to get hurt. Um, not rehabbing. I know there's some other things they want to do around practice structures and, and how many uh, ramp-up days they got. Because, I mean, we all played. You know, putting a helmet on for the first time in a few months, it takes you three days, four days before you feel normal again. Right, yeah. So I, I can I can definitely appreciate that, especially at that level, uh, when you know, any play could be the end of your, your ability to make a living at the, at the level you have been. Um, but I just... I'm curious to see what what side gives up the much as much ground. Um, I know the owners were already in favor of of limiting uh, Goodell's power, so he's no longer the person doling out punishment. He's still overseeing uh, the the process and and overseeing investigations and things like that. But he is no longer uh, giving out the actual punishment. It's going to go to a third party. So there's some you're seeing some improvements. Uh, I'm curious to see pass interference it was not popular. When voted, um, it looks like they might want to extend it another year to give another year, uh, but they it was pretty overwhelmingly voted voted against as far as just making it a full on outright rule. I think twenty four teams said no, we don't want to make it a rule yet. Get out of here! I, I hated it. I, I'm always gonna hate it. I don't. I don't hate the concept, but the execution was was atrocious. It was. It was probably the worst single. Worst thing about this NFL season. I think it made it less clear what actually is pass interference and what isn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like because they're like, 
they call it, and and the, the people up, you got your announcers in the booth, and they're looking at it, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's definitely pass interference. It should be overturned, and then it doesn't get overturned. And they're like, well, is it pass interference or not? Is the penalty right. or accurately called or not? You know, So it calls even more into question mark the validity of the, the referees and the validity of the replay booth. And, and and so, I mean, I think it's just a bad look in general for the NFL, especially with that particular rule. Yep. Um, the rules committee meets every year. They t- they tinker and tw- and tweak different things. The CBA is a completely different thing. This is a 10-year CBA. So the, t- the CBA would last 10 years right. if it gets ratified, when it gets ratified. Yep. But, and they also said that it was something I thought was interesting, too. Um, for the 10-year period, they would not discuss having additional games beyond 17. So like, are they already thinking about the 18th game? Like, is, is that something they're, they've already I, considering? Absolutely, they've been starting to push <laughs> at it. I know that. I mean, years ago. I mean, how long until we're playing a 25 game regular season? I don't think it'll ever get to that point. I know, I'm but, obviously exaggerating, but but, um, but I mean, what's the, what's I, I remember initially, be- even before it got down to 17, they were actually saying 18, and they were like, "Hey, we'll 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 ask for 18." And then we'll get 17, right? right? You, it's, it, that's how the negotiations work. You ask for a little bit more, and then you settle in the middle, right? Well, that's so, what they, I think that's, that's what they started with. Uh, I think the, the cap on the 17th week, uh, I can't remember the, the figures, but they say set one that was it was never going to be accepted by the players. And just so they could say, oh, well, this is something we, we negotiated on. It's like, no, <laughs> you set up a trap so you could give that ground up that you knew you never were going to get. Sounds like an ex-girlfriend of mine. <laughs> but some other things real quick that are going to be in- included in that sure. is um, they're going to expand the the, the 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 game day roster from, I think, 46 to 48 <laughs> and expand um, the practice squads from 10 to 15 or something like that. Okay. So a few more players get get a little extra money out of that and, and opportunities, which, which is a good thing. Um, but if you're increasing an extra game, I guess that makes sense to have it that way, right? Yeah. So... Um, but anyway, let's uh, let's touch on some college basketball. So it's really starting to heat up here. Um, but just last week, seven top ten teams fell, mm-hmm. and then a total of eighteen top twenty five teams lost a game. Now some of those teams lost multiple games uh, to account for them. Not all, not eighteen of the twenty five of top twenty five. But and then already this week we have. Uh, uh, one top 10 team in Duke losing to Wake Forest on the road, and five top 25 teams have already lost. Today's Wednesday, so we've played two days' worth of games, and it's already happened. Sure. Like, it's getting nuts. Well, what's nice about this time of year is obviously March Madness is right around the corner. Yeah. But, but you know, all those fringe teams, those tweener teams, they're re- they're showing up to build their resumes right now. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't think Flake Forest is really going to be in there. But you're, you're going to see a lot of these shittier teams just making their final pushes. Uh, it's the last game tape that they're going to have before some of these guys, quote-unquote, enter the, the draft, even though most, you know, a lot of guys won't. But uh, there's, there's a fire under a lot of asses, so there's it's no time for complacency if you're uh, if you're one of these top-tier teams. And, and the atmospheres are nuts at these games because there's so much more on the line for them. Uh, Wake Forest – beating Duke at home, that's the first time Wake Forest has beaten Duke in, like, seven years or something like that. Like, their fans are going crazy. Went to double overtime. It was a great game to watch. Um, and so I'm super excited for to move into tournament season. So we got, you know, conference tournaments will come up in here about two weeks. And then um, and then, and then the, the actual NCAA tournament will get started shortly thereafter. So looking forward to that. Should be a good time. <clears throat> You know, I think we should uh, run some some brackets here, um, and maybe run. Um, obviously, everyone's doing March Madness. Even if you don't watch college basketball, you're firing brackets. Uh, I think it was uh, 
Warren Buffett, who used to do the uh, the billion dollar perfect perfect bracket. But um, I think we'll be working on um, maybe like a, um, a little competition with uh, with uh, the sports memory guys here to absolutely something your absolutely. way if you can so beat us. We'll have a, a sports memory bracket enter contest um, in which you can compete against all of us entering into it, and. Uh, to the, to the victor go the spoils. Yeah, probably probably have something to get away for the winners there. Um, I, I'm in that boat. I don't watch unless I accidentally watch it and like ESPN or, or you know they play a, a highlight video after what I meant to be watching uh, in a video feed. That's about the only exposure I have to college basketball until March starts. Uh, but I, I watched a good amount in March. To have no idea what's going on, who who it who you know everybody is and. Uh, what the teams are the real contenders, but you know I watch March Madness just because it, it's fun. It's you know there, there's that do or die uh, intensity. Everybody's in it. You know a lot of guys might be their last basketball game uh, in organized you know basketball ever. Uh, so it's it's enjoyable, and I think again we're, we're all gonna be doing a bracket. So there's something to look out for. Um, we'll probably have that up in the next few weeks here. So one <laughs> random thing that doesn't uh, really fit into anything else um, that we have on the, the agenda today. But Maria Sharapova hangs it up uh, at 32 years old. What do you What do you guys think about that? A lot of other sports that's that's your prime, but um, it's interesting to see Sharapova kind of hang it up here. Obviously, an all time great tennis player was never the best player while she was playing, uh, thanks to she, some Williams sisters. I think she may have at, at certain mm. peaks hit the number one ranking. Um, but, but I don't know how yeah. long it ever lasted. Exactly. Or, and, and I don't think she was ever the consensus. Right. Like, everybody thought she was the best. But Smoke show, though. Yeah, she's super hot. Um, I remember she is She's slightly older than me. I'm about to turn 32 here next month. So we're, we're right around that same age. Um, and I remember when she was whatever, like 15, 16, yeah. 17, whatever it was when she broke in. Tennis is that super young sport, especially for the women. Well, that's, um, what, that's what I was going to say. I mean, do you think it's, it's uh, I cannot remember her name. Is it Kofi or Co- Coco uh-huh. or whatever? Something like that. Coco, yeah. Coco or something like that. She, she's like 15 and just dominating people. Yeah. Do you think I mean, that's kind of a... The, the Williams sisters were like 14 or something right. like that when they when they broke on. So, yeah. Oh, but they had the, they had, but it's just always interesting seeing a sport where retirement age is 32. Think about swimming for the most part. Swimming yeah. is like that. Um, Gymnastics. Yeah. yeah. So so th- there are there are quite a few of them and I mean sports in general it skews very young. So but yeah, 32 years old. She f- she is actually currently um in terms of career earnings through her, you know, championship uh victories and on the tour and stuff like that and then um endorsements and stuff like that. They have her second behind only Serena Williams at three hundred and twenty-five million dollars. She's single, so uh, <laughs> probably not. But um, hey, that doesn't mean you cannot get in there. <laughs> Go for it. She could use a cabana boy. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, I mean, super impressive career. Um, one again, one of the best you know women's tennis players probably of all time. One Wimbledon at seventeen years old. It's amazing. It's just ridiculous to think that you know, people are, are roughly our age are just like yeah, and that's a career. I can just sit back and and. Live off the interest forever. Yeah, <laughs> and, and live, her kids. Live, and live, kids, ver- kids. live very, very well. Yeah, no kidding. So we'll transition back to to you know team sports here. Um, NHL trade deadline has has now passed, and a lot of teams made a lot of moves. No, uh, really huge blockbusters. Not necessarily any big names moving. Um, I would say probably there, there was a few big names um, in terms of relevancy and how 
how important they are to the league right now, I think, is questionable. Sure. Yeah, I mean, if, we'll, we'll get into some of the specific team details, too. Um, but just overall, what did you guys think of the deadline? Um, I, th- I thought it was eventful. Um, a lot more questions um, surrounding it as a whole when you're talking, you know, than in previous years. Um, a lot more. I feel like there's a lot more draft picks being tossed around this year than in the recent years memories yeah um absolutely you know, you know a lot of times it'd be like you know a player and a player and like a you know fifth round sixth round pick like okay just you know here and then get some cap room back um but it seemed like this year was like your top your top think, three rounds I I saw in every like single something run. like eight first round draft picks from next year's draft were traded it's like which, that, that's an insane number a lot it's, yeah that's insane um you know one thing we have discussed is the the First round pick in hockey, you know, unless unless you're right there in that top tier, and, and even then, still some question. It doesn't doesn't hold the same value as like the no, NFL draft. So it's hard it's hard to like. There's see some it definite the same. tiers, and and a lot of it's development. And when you're drafting, especially in hockey, like you don't know what these guys are going to be. We're talking about 18 year old kids, yeah. so some might fill out more, some may not, some may get some explosiveness from from that you know strength gain, and and as they they mature. Uh, it's not like the NFL draft where you have a pretty good idea of what a guy is, and and you see the extra that intermediate tier, uh, the the range in talent. We talk about all the different leagues that these guys come out of, whether that be international or different professional leagues, and and even in North America, you know, if it's you know the the Q or OHL, WHL, there's there's all kinds of different varying talents, and a lot of these times the guys end up grouped up on the same team together. Like uh, when Jonathan Duran was coming out, he was on a line with Nathan McKinnon, uh, and how like can you imagine playing in, in juniors? And it's like yeah, I have Jonathan Duran and, and McKinnon like across from me right now. Yeah, what do you do? You turtle and, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it, it's a little bit of a different scenario here. The, uh, later round draft picks don't always pan out. Um, out like Marcus said, outside like the top probably ten. You don't really know what you're getting. Uh, you see a lot of guys who are undrafted or, or late in the draft end up making impacts. You know, if, if you're a Lightning fan specifically, like Plot was a six round pick. Uh, Tyler Johnson was a undrafted player. Like, or sorry, Plot was a seventh round pick. You, you see some guys later. Nikita Kucherov, one of the best goal scorers in the league right now, is a second round pick. There's value late, uh, but it, it's a lottery ticket more so than, than most sports. Well, it comes down to a lot of really good scouting can help. In yeah. this, and that's why a team like the Lightning has, absolutely has an advantage. A lot of the sure. times, they have some really good scouts in place. But then it's also development, right? So, yep. like how you develop these guys throughout the course of their youth and getting them to the point where they can be a big, you know, NHL. And a lot of these guys go back to their junior teams after mm-hmm. they get drafted, uh, and you know, especially if you're a younger. Yeah, they hold player. their rights, right? right? Exactly, yeah. and you know, you hold rights to a player uh, who might be playing in, in in the KHL and never come over. Like that happens all the time too, so it's it's really a lottery ticket more so than any sport. Unless again, unless you're picking one of those lottery picks, and there's a you know Connor McDavid sitting there, um, the, the, there's no Connor McDavid this year. Um, but but it still is very important to have some of these picks, so that and so that you can replenish sure. the, the depths of your minor league system, especially if you're a team that is being aggressive and making a bunch of trades, right? Because sometimes yeah. you're not trading uh, draft picks. Sometimes you're trading a really you know, a first round, a guy who was a first round draft pick who all of a sudden is playing well, like Nolan Foote, right? Yeah. So the Lightning made a trade in, in which they sent him and a first round draft pick to get uh to get a player back. Blake Coleman. Blake Coleman, who is a guy who's, you know, not 
the most pop like most popular names. Depen- he's not it a, depends what he's circles a, you you roll in. Right. If, if you're an advanced he's, stats guy, he's he, a hero of the advanced exactly. stats he, community. He, he's he's a defensive uh, stalwart. Yeah. But he doesn't contribute a ton offensively. But some of that's also based on the Pretty team modest, that he was yeah, like 20, that he was on, yeah, yeah, that he was on and stuff yep. like that. So all of those factors come into play. Um, but let's touch on some of the teams. Yeah, so the, so the first trade of the, the quote-unquote deadline period actually happened uh, about two weeks before the actual deadline, and that is Jason Zucker uh, from the Minnesota Wild to the, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Let's go, Penn. So Galchenyuk moves around again. He's in a contract year, so not necessarily a ton of value there. Kind of a quick audition for Minnesota to say, uh, is this somewhere Galchenyuk wants to stay, and, and if that's somebody they even want to keep. He's bounced around quite a bit. Uh, one, again, one of those early draft picks that doesn't hasn't seemed to really reach his potential yet. Natural center isn't great in the circle uh, consistently, so he's bumped around inside and out. And I think that's definitely attributed to a slow start. Uh, but maybe that's somewhere they, they have you know a potential gem in this. You know, if you're Minnesota, you, you obviously want talent back. Uh, they also get Callan Addison, who is a pretty good D prospect and a conditional first round pick. But for Pittsburgh, they get wing depth. And Jason Jason Zucker is a very solid playoff player. So, so when you look at it, um, just like at a pure numbers, like okay, this guy's uh, you know twenty goal scorers. You know he's on pace for you know a, a, an average above average season. But hockey's so much more unique um, than you know other sports as to where sometimes it's about their play style, um, frame, mentality, just how how they approach the game. Impacts everything. I mean, Zuck came in. You know, he, he's he's scoring early, but he's playing physical. He's he's meshing well. He's a playoff hockey guy. Yeah, and he's just kind of kind of what you need. And I, you know, as a Penguins fan, um, you know, a lot of people are not happy about some of the moves or you know throwing some question marks here and there. But you know, you know, as you as a Patriots fan, one thing you have to know is you've learned over the years is you know even though I don't understand why or here why it doesn't look great on paper you just got to trust that well, they're going to keep making the right moves the, the reality of the situation and, and pittsburgh did a good job of, of being very aware of their situation uh pittsburgh fans probably aren't willing to accept the the, the harsh reality of what's coming up mm-hmm. um malkin and, and crosby are getting older their play will probably start to taper off some. I wouldn't say Crosby as much, but I think Malkin could probably his play will start probably start to taper off some. Huge deals. I don't think Malkin comes back after this deal unless he's willing to take a pay cut. And I haven't seen anything from his personnel that indicates to me he's willing to take a pay cut. So you guys have a have a window. Yeah. This this is pushing the chips all in on, on that window and saying, Hey, the other teams in the East are, are loaded. Um I mean, Pittsburgh, even now, if you look on paper, it's probably still only the fourth-best team in the East. They have to do it now. I mean, prospects aren't going to help them now. They, their right. bin is is very shallow when it comes to prospects. So does one or two extra really make a difference? Like, There's a rebuild coming. Yeah. Um, but how much of that? you, know, you got to cash in on that Sidney Crosby window. And, and try to squeeze one more one more cup out of this. One, two, three, five. How how right. you want to count it? Yeah. So I, I don't. I think it's kind of similar to what the Lightning did, and we'll touch on that a little bit more when we talk about the other two, uh, two other moves they made. One, not a trade, but uh, still an acquisition that is going to attribute to the short term at least. Um, but we'll get back into to some of the other trades that happened. So uh, Tyler Toffoli goes to Vancouver. Vancouver loading up for a playoff run. Who would have thought? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I thought they were still a, a, probably a year or two away. They have, some, I mean, a ton of talent, but um, they're they're loading up and they're buyers. And, and that's, if you're a fan of, of the Canucks, it's got to feel good to be buyers. 
um, at this time of the year because it hasn't happened for a while. And we'll talk about Edmonton too. Same situation. Edmonton is a buyer at the trade deadline, which is, is it's exciting for hockey in Canada. Um, you know, the Maple Leafs are pretty much the only chance they got there. Uh, Montreal is, is atrocious. Ottawa has been a joke for a few years. Winnipeg is, is Ed- really Edmonton, underperforming. Edmonton's in it. No, yeah, they're in it. No, I'm saying that for them to be buyers, like that's crazy. Well, you're 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 talking about Vancouver, I both thought. of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah both, both of them. them being buyers. Yeah, I think I think I think that's what we kind of saw. There was some teams that, for the most part, most of the teams that are contenders definitely pushed in, right? Yeah. And most of the teams that were you know sellers for the most part unloaded their assets, like they didn't hold a bunch of them. The Kings um, did really really well. Uh, so we'll say as far as the sellers, it's probably the only opportunity we'll get to talk about them. Uh, but the Kings unloaded the I think the the perfect amount of pieces for a good return. Uh, they're ready to reload a little bit. Um, that's probably going to be post Jonathan Quick at this point. But they, I thought they did a really good job. Uh, and then you see other teams like Ottawa. I think Ottawa could have done more to unload. Um, kind of disappointed if, you, if you're a Sens fan. Like you have to be disappointed in what they did. Well, well, you saw Detroit got rid of all their good assets at the tra- trade. But they didn't deadline. have anything. Yeah, Mike, that's yeah. Mike, Mike Green. They had no, yeah, <laughs> they made zero moves. Off on a CU. <laughs> but the, honestly, like outside of Larkin, like Larkin's got to be your cornerstone guy. He's a Michigan kid. Like that's your guy. That's that's your franchise. That's you're gonna put inside the building to hopefully sell a couple tickets. Um, they didn't have much else. I know that's why I said that they yeah, were they, they were they, completely you're right. absent. You're, it's like a joke, but at the same time, yeah. like they literally did sell all their assets. Can can, can the, the the what Red Wings just uh, get some expansion rules in here and start drafting <laughs> players off other teams? It's it's kind of it's kind of sad though, honestly, because obviously there's a proud history there with you know Hockey Town and everything. But just to see how empty that stadium is, like it, it's kind of sad to see. Well, I've always associated the Red Wings with like Russian hockey. Um, just yeah. maybe it's just like the Steve, Red, but they, Steve Eiserman. But I mean, like, that's how they built it. They, well, yeah, that's but, how they built it on taking these these Russian guys who had all the talent in the world, but people had a stereotype against Russian players, and right. they, they were kind of the first to break that down. You know, the Fedorovs and yeah, and um, well, Eiserman's Canadian, but yeah, Chelios. Well, yeah, I mean, they had, they had a good Canadian kid. Chelios was an American, so he he was still in there. But but, but yeah, they, had they, the they absolutely. Five. Yeah, they, they absolutely did uh, go with some of the, some of the bringing some of those Russian players, and I think they they you know that they had one of the streaks, the longest streaks of making the playoffs, I think, in the history of sports or something. Years. Yep, that's so disgusting. Yeah, but um, honestly, we're seeing the, the detriment of that right right now. Mm-hmm. Where like, if they would have been bad for a little while, maybe they had filled up you know a couple more prospects. Hey, give me give me twenty seven solid years. I you know you can break the yeah. bullet for a little bit. You're not, and, you're not uh, wrong. They, they did bring in Eisenman, so he's he's. Conducting the train now, and uh, he he'll probably figure out a way to get them back it's up there more at Russians. some point. Yeah, <laughs> he, he, he did also pretty, he, he did learned that from Tampa, didn't he, he? He learned that from his playing days. He's he's not afraid of the Russians either. No, uh, Nikita Kucherov had some things against him. You can sometimes in these scouting reports, you'll see things mentioned, uh, especially around like effort and and defensive you know willingness to play defense and stuff. Some of these like slander things that are popular against you know international players. Where they're worried, you know, they they make critiques. Um, it's just lack of exposure. One, they're not watching a lot of Russian hockey, and two, there's still a stereotype that Russians don't only care about half the ice. Well, yeah, and I mean, if you think about like from a perspective of other sports, right? In baseball, the, the, there's a whole book about it, right? Moneyball, where they talked about are we selling jeans or are we drafting players? Like, who cares if the guy's fat? If he can hit, he can hit. Right. Who cares what the guy's girlfriend looks like? If he can hit, he can hit. Oh, he, he has a he has an ugly girlfriend. That means he has bad confidence. Some of this shit is yeah. is it doesn't yeah. matter, right? Old school. And yeah. end of the day. At the end of the day, like there's, it's so it's kind of a moneyball aspect of thing where they're overlooking some of these things. It's just like, hey, if you do something really well, 
the Patriots are interested in what you do well, right? Yeah. And they're going to find a way to put you in that situation so that you can be successful. So so Vegas adds Alec, Alec Martinez, which is somebody that I, I kind of had in mind for Tampa. Um, we needed defensive help, and I was hoping that we were going to go after something. We didn't, from a trade standpoint, uh, we did add Zach Bogosian. So we'll go ahead and mention that from a um, free agency standpoint. He gets cut by, by Buffalo. I think he, like, wanted out, and that was a mutual no, yeah. cutting. Yeah. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say mutual in the sense that, that, that they, they basically they demoted him. Yeah. They wanted him to go down the AHL team, um, and he refused to report. Yeah. He said, I'm not going to play in the AHL. So they agreed to part ways at that point. He cleared his waivers, and, and then he was free to sign wherever he wanted, um, and he ended up in Tampa. For a minimum, I think he's a short-term fix. He, he's still he, – there's, there's a reason why he didn't work in Buffalo. He's lost a step. He's had hip hip injuries and, and issues with that. Lost to some of his mobility. Um, what for a playoff? Just as a mercenary? A, that's a, a that's a great move for the Lightning. Yeah, just a depth playoff body in case. I mean, right now they're banged up, so he's going to play and kind of help them through that. Um, and then he can be, you know, he'll sit in the in the bleachers and, and wait for an opportunity. If somebody gets hurt, it, assuming everybody gets back healthy. So can't be upset about that at all. And, and for the, the the price, I think it was one point three million. Nothing wrong with that, no. uh, but the the Knights do add uh, there with uh, with Martinez. The Jets add D- Dylan Demello, a couple of the fringe guys, middle middle pair. Maybe Let's talk about the pair. Knights' real big cue though. Sure, Robin Leonard. Yep, the goalie that yep. they basically stole from the Blackhawks. Yeah. I don't know how that that worked out. Chicago but. was a really was really underwhelming at the, the deadline too. Yeah, uh, as far as what they they moved, um, and they didn't get a lot of value back. And this Leonard deal is one of them. So that's Subban's terrible in that. He's not going to be faring well down there. Yeah. No, he's he's not. Yeah, he's he's a guy that's bounced around. I think this is his fourth team. Um, I'm gonna miss betting against him when uh, he's in net for the Knights, but I guess uh, when, he plays for, when he plays for the Blackhawks, I could really uh, hammer the road team. So that's a, I mean, it's it's a good pickup for for Vegas, um, and then you look around. The Leafs don't really add the defensive help that they should have, um, so that's a, that's a huge issue for them. And I really, I don't really take them seriously as a contender just because of how bad their their back end is. And then Muzzin so Muzzin gets hurt last night. Yeah, he breaks his hand. Yeah, hand his broke hand, his hand. So, I, I saw he's going to be out at least four weeks, something like that. Yep. Which could really hurt their, their playoff chances. I, I definitely agree, 100%. Uh, so the Oilers add Mike Green from the Red Wings, one of the two things that, that they move. They also add Afanasiu, uh, which is a ton of speed, which is, is not something that Edmonton is lacking at all. So now they kind of have a, an embarrassment of riches when it comes to, to speed because uh, he's one of the few guys that's you know in the same ballpark as as McDavid as far as foot speed. Mm-hmm. So it, it's gonna be interesting to see them. Do they pair them up once once everybody's you know back and, and healthy full speed? We'll see. Um, but well, it, I, it, I like the move from Edmonton. It's a good move. Uh, being aggressive is is usually something that's gonna be rewarded. Yep. If you look at a team last year who went all in, uh, Columbus, you know that that helped them get through the first round of the playoffs last year. They traded a ton away, and then. I mean, but, you know, uh, St. Louis was pretty aggressive, too, so. Um, Carolina goes all in. Yeah, um, that's the team who pulled it this year. So they, they go for Brady, I, I think it's Ski, I can never pronounce it, because that's not a combination of words that should be, Sky. letters that should be in, in order. Is it Sky? No, I, I have know. no idea. That's the one from, uh, from, do you ever see the Saturday Night Live Chance the Rapper skit when he's on, he's like a hockey reporter at Laszlo. Oh, yeah. Uh-oh. And he's like, is that an SKJ? Yeah, I'm good on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was a good one. 
So um, yeah, I, I don't remember how to how to say it from there, um, but I, I feel like I should. Uh, so probably just because I we play Florida and they're in the, the division and, and obviously in the state. I think Vincent Trocek's probably the best player to move at the deadline here, uh, as far as a complete Vatnin hockey player. Vatnin too. Vatnin's good a, a, too. A good key there. Yeah, they they loaded up quite a bit, and uh, I'm curious to see if it pays off. Um, obviously, the downside is they're also were were in the news recently because they played an emergency goalie. Um, I'm not sure what the timeline is on those guys coming back, but so I, I think they said that one of them was in concussion protocol, but they don't think it's actually concussion. They think it's more a neck thing. Okay, and they expect him back fairly soon. So yeah, that may That's explain why they're why they didn't necessarily push y'all in to try to go get Lanner or something like that. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, so the Avalanche don't do much. They only add uh, Vladimir Nemestikov, former Tampa Bay Lightning player. Solid wing guy. He's, he's a natural center, but not he's a lot of people play him at the on center. The third or fourth, third line or fourth for line. Them. Yep. For the Avs, I think that's an underwhelming coup, right? They didn't get enough to push in, so that that's that's something that you question about. You know whether or not they actually wanted to go go get this thing. Yeah, Kreider was was rumored to be uh, available. There's a lot of people, but but seeing some of the, the prices of, of what people went for, I can't imagine what the haul would have been for Kreider. Uh, I know a lot of Rangers were kind of Ranger fans were, were kind of chomping at the bit to see what they could get for Kreider, um, but they don't move him. They instead ex- extend his contract uh, for seven years for an, an average annual value six and a half. So good contract for. I mean, again, he was linked on the deadline for a reason. Didn't have a contract going out of this year and is a playoff player. I'm a, I'm a big Chris Kreider fan. And talk about duds at the trade deadline. How about poor Joe Thornton? How long has he been there in San Jose? 17, 18 years now? Uh, I, has it been that long? I know 22 years total. Um, I didn't. I don't I, it's quite that Yeah, long. I, don't, I don't know how long it's been. But <laughs> never, he, was with, he was with Boston previously. Yeah. But there was a big talk about Dallas going to get him, um, and Dallas just didn't didn't pull the trigger or whatever. They couldn't reach some agreement or something. The, the issue with him is he him. only wanted to go to a contender. Yeah. So he was only waiving his no trade. I think he has a no trade clause. Correct. Uh, he's only waiving it for certain teams. And the downside of only wanting to go to a contender is most of those teams are pretty good. Yeah. Um, don't have age, a, age versus money. Don't have contract. a lot of use for a forty year old forward who, I mean, no disrespect to to future Hall of Famer Joe Thorne, but it's a shat, just an absolute shadow of what he used to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Still, I mean, you would have liked to see him be able to chase it down. He seemed really upset about it. Uh, not being able to, to win a cup in his career, I don't know if he sticks around for one more year. But again, I mean, what is was a you know forty plus year old Joe Thornton do for you? What contender is going to really just carry him? And he wanted a significant role. He, he didn't want to be a fourth line guy or a scratch. And it's just I mean, it does bring a plus beer game. Uh, not even anymore. He, he had to cut it. He cut part of it because like oh, yeah, it fell he, out. Yeah, he keep growing. It's still, <laughs> it, it's, it's still growing. For oh yeah, I mean, he, it's the potential still there for sure. But is it going to be around long enough to even grow that thing out? You don't know. <laughs> uh, Marlow goes. We talk, talk about Marlow to the Pens. Yeah, Marlow to the Pens. Yeah. And um, kind of a Col- cool story. Colchuk Col- to the Caps. Grew two, up a two old guys. Fan. Yeah. Two old guys don't go into contenders. Yeah. So that was a cool story. Um, I don't know how much it actually helps them. Um, I, th- I think it's a decent depth piece. I think you'd say depth. that about both of them. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. S- solid depth, give your third round. Um, but he's got plenty of experience. Um, but he also brings now two two fifteen. I think is what he's listed at. 
But the Pens are kind of light when it comes to their players, so he does bring some size at 215. Um, but any anytime you can add depth in a team, that's he's a great guy for the room, and, and, I mean, and he's a fiery guy too. Yeah. So so that so that's a good move. He's, um, he's a good room guy. Kovalchuk and uh, Ovechkin are actually buddies from from their days back in Russia too. Yeah. So um, they they said that there should be some good chemistry there. I'm not sure if he's going to play on that line at all. I doubt it. But um, but it but it, I mean it, it couldn't hurt. Unless they get real Russian and put Knetsov in between them, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that that could be fun to watch that every could, once in a while. Every once be, in a while, I'm not saying they're going to play a ton of minutes like that. But. And then the, the last one I think we're going to hit on here, and kind of the question mark for local fans: uh, the the Lightning unload their first round pick, which hopefully will be the 32nd pick of the draft. Um, I don't like your negativity. <laughs> uh, for Barclay Goodrow, who <laughs> the the first game in the pregame, uh, the Lightning uh, broadcast goes ahead and gets in front of this ground campaign with this this little segment on how much they wanted him, and like, oh well, the Lightning's power play or penalty kill was bad last year, and, and what do you do to go find out how to be better? You go watch the best team, and who was the best team last year? It was San Jose, and as they're watching the San Jose's penalty kill, they notice one player sticks out. And they're doing this whole campaign on like. Trying to convince us that this guy's worth a first round draft pick, and it's there's just no way. Like any sensible fan knows that he's not worth a first round draft pick unless they win the cup. If they win the cup in the next two years, nobody will complain, nobody will care. I don't care if we don't pick in the first round for the first, next five years if we win a cup in the next two years. I think they said both him and Coleman will will offer some depth, and they have contracts going forward, so they're, they're not cheap. Be free agents. They're they're both they're, under they're both, two million. Yeah, I think Coleman's one point eight. I think. Goodrow's like one point six or yeah. something, yeah. So, so with both of them being cheap, that's that's a that's a positive add for for um, and, and again, Brisbois. we talk about fans looking at the reality situation. We have a lot of middle six forwards who are signed on on long contracts with no trade clauses. One of them's got at money. least one of them's got to go this off season. Probably two or three. Um, Sergachev is due for a contract, uh, and this Braden Braden points on a bridge. Um, we we got to figure out. That, that middle depth's got to go. So it's it's a kind of a two-prong move here. That's probably why we're paying our premium for these guys. Um, I was super excited about Coleman. I, I knew about Coleman beforehand. Uh, really excited. Good goal scoring touch. Uh, but I think Barclay Goodrow has like eight goals in his career. They, they, did, they did get back a, a pick in that. So it, it's kind of like you, you traded down a little yeah. bit. Um, now, obviously, it goes back to that thing. Like, one, we said this draft we don't think there is that good to begin with. So what is the real difference between, you know, uh, late Besides first the Fr- and a- There's a French-Canadian kid. I'm, I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, but it's looking like the Habs are going to get him. And it's just like, oh, of course. Like, yeah. the one year the Habs are, are the worst team in the league. But, they get the, the French-Canadian stud. Yeah. <laughs> but, but anyway, so <laughs> yeah. You, you, but with... Um, with with it being a bad draft, you got a, a late first versus you know I think like a third or something was was what went the other way. How much of a big gap is there? So at some point you're like, hey, we're we're setting ourselves up for the future. Um, from what I've read, uh, in terms of a lot of people grading it, a lot of people were in on Breezebot and thought that he did a pretty good job. So it's one of those things where it's like, I'm going to trust this guy. He's known as being like a master cap manipulator. And he, a lot of people give him credit for a lot of the things that Eisman did and when he was finagling some some trades in previous uh, trade deadline situations. And the reality is so. he, he stood pat last year and they got swept in the first round. Right. He everything he added this year. You guys got swept. Everything he added this year <laughs> is is a playoff body, sandpaper, you know, gritty kind of player. They add Maroon. They add Coleman. They add uh, Gaudreau. Shen. Yeah, or 
uh, whatever I can't Barclay, whatever his name is. Um, they they added some heavy guys, so that that's really what they're going for. And he was a buyer at the deadline, so you can't criticize him for that. At least, uh, obviously, a reaction from last year. If he's going to go down, he's going to go down swinging. And I, I kind of you know you admire that. And again, we give around gave up two firsts. One of them's Vancouver's first, which is looking like it could be a later pick, and the other one's our first, which we're hoping is the latest pick. So you got you got to go for it when you can. Yeah. I, I don't I don't mind that. And again, we we yeah. probably have a two year window here too. <laughs> Um, why it's wide, wide open, and then that window starts slowly closing as the reality of you know superstar players are going to want superstar wages. Uh, Steven Samkos is not getting any younger, and he's hurt again, and we don't know what it is yet. Um, so I don't mind him, you know, kind of cashing in, pushing his chips in. Okay, so now that we've touched on the recap of the NHL trade deadline, tell me how do you think the shapes the playoffs moving forward? For both the Western Conference and the East, we're all Eastern Conference guys, so we'll start out West so we can get some thoughts out there. Um, tell me, who do you think this really shifts it for, and wh- who do you see coming out? I think it strengthens Vegas's position. They're they're a team that I was. You don't know what they're going to do, even if they make. You know, they're they're probably always going to make it in, but as far as how deep they go, uh, I'm hoping for Winnipeg's sake, this Demello is enough to kind of get them over the hump. Um, obviously, you know. Edmonton is a player, but just looking at the at the two conferences, the East is just so much stronger than the West this year. I, I don't know how much of that really matters. I mean, you get to a Stanley Cup final, you always get the chance to steal a series. Um, not not saying it's not possible, but I I genuinely believe probably the three best teams in hockey are on the East. Maybe four. Maybe four. You know, I, th- I think as far as benefiting goes, um, uh, I'm just gonna leave my bias with the Pens. Um, out, but I think they did what they needed to to put kind of really make a um, a deep run this year. Um, but you know, talking about Carolina, a team that was pretty under the radar, I guess, going into the year, and we're we're kind of flirting around. Um, you know, they they kind of they pushed all in at a very unique position. Uh, normally, it's teams that are in the top three seeds. They're going to, hey, we want to start making the home field. Technically, right now, I guess they're not even in. But, you know, you know something like that, if, if they can get these pieces to mesh, uh, you t- talk about a confidence builder in every person in that organization and what's going on. Um, they're the, For me, they're the most intriguing team to watch yeah, going forward. T- today, they're technically two points out. Yeah. Um, so... I think they've got a couple games to play on on some of the pe- people ahead of them though. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's, where it, is that? It's it's kind of a push either way, but you know, just looking at it at that spot to make that kind of a power move and statement for me, they're the most intriguing to watch going forward. And truthfully, stuff like that can really make them, uh, you know, one of the dangerous teams um, going into the playoffs. Yeah, but just to get back to it, we'll go ahead and move over to the East now. Um, the best, I mean, the, the Bruins, Tampa, Washington, and Pittsburgh are the best four teams in hockey. No particular order there. Um, so for the West, again, it might all be for not. You like to see people do the, the right thing and making the move, um, but but it's also one of those things where it's with the power being all in the Eastern Conference. Maybe they just beat up on each other so possible. much, yeah. that the West comes in a little bit stronger. Well, and, that's the thing. And, it, it, to, to the, can... If you're a West Coast team, it's irrelevant that the top four teams are the, in the East because you only right. have to play one of them. Exactly. Yeah. So, I, I again, everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. I, I think there's not really a team. Who, uh, who, who do you want to see come out from the West? 
not for your own purposes. Just like if you have, if you're picking a team and you want to root for them, who 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 do you want? Who do I think will win, or who do I want who, who to do see? You, give me both. Um, I would say Colorado is probably my favorite to make it out of the West. I just think that they even even the, the McKinnons when they're skilled guys and is just so strong and just big. Um, probably that's who I, I think will. Um, who I want is probably anybody but St. Louis. <laughs> I, I, I kind of root for Vancouver. It's been so long since they've been relevant. Um, so I'll be rooting for them. That is fun, yeah. Um, I, obviously, I'm always um, a little bit biased and cheering for Nashville because I love that city and uh, those women. Um, but, um, yeah, Avalanche are definitely a team to keep your eye on for sure. I'm going to go with Edmonton uh, because I want some of that Connor McDavid like playoff run sure. magic. That I think that would be really good for the sport in general. Um, and also would be really fun and exciting to watch throughout the playoffs. So I agree. <clears throat> awesome. So I think the last thing we want to touch on, uh, obviously, XFL. Uh, it's it's going, depending on who you talk to, I think it's going well. Uh, NBC doesn't seem to let think so, but they obviously they don't televise the game. So uh, <laughs> yeah, they've they've got a dog in that fight. They have a dog in that fight. So um, the overall TV views are down. Obviously, slightly, slightly, and obviously, week one's always going to be the highest. We like this is not surprising to anyone. To me, the encouraging aspect is in-game fans in the seat attendance has went up each week. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about that as far as the longevity of the league? And, and again, we're talking about yeah, the, the 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 viewership's down. Every single XFL game still had higher viewership than any other sport that was on. Well. First and foremost, I had a, that was my that was the most fun I've ever had at a football game. Uh, you know, with, oh yeah, with, so we with, so with we went last weekend. Yeah, um, uh, it, a blast. Yeah, you know, and fun we're gonna, tailgate. Yeah, we're we're, we're game. we'll be tailgating again Sunday night for everyone. Please come out, lot six deep. But um, it, it was just a lot of fun, and it was a lot of energy. There um, was, and obviously it's early on, but. You know, if you go to like Bucks games, you know that a stadium with seats like eighty thousand, you might squeeze eighteen thousand Bucks fans in there. But like that, that you know, for the it was only eighteen thousand fans, but it, they were passionate and they were loud. And everybody's uh, close to the field. It, it's, it, yeah, it 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 was a, a new, unique experience. Uh, good product. Um, I don't see why um, it can't last. I think they're doing a lot of things right, and I think you're definitely going to start seeing the NFL. Do what they did last time and emulate what uh, some of the concepts the XFL has put on the field. What What do you think is the first concept they steal? Has to be the kickoff. That 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 that's top of my mind. Yeah, it's either, either the review process, the transparency in the review process, and in the kickoff. Yeah, yeah. those got to be top two. Um, I, I don't think the NFL NFL goes to interviewing players on the field ever. Uh, I, lo- no. I love that part. Um, There's too much sponsorship yeah. money on the line. You don't yeah. want your you know somebody who. Uh, <coughs> is typically well spoken, prepared to say something flippant. Like if Russell Wilson dropped an f bomb, like because you know he in the moment came yeah. off the sideline, that would really hurt the NFL's image. And uh, truthfully, I, I like the shorter play clock. Um, you know, it you, you get a lot less nonsense celebrations, and um, you know, what the pace was, of play is fun. Yeah, well, what what was good was um, you know, the pace of play was good, and just the kickoffs in some spots there's a little longer of like a lag over, but it's dead time anyway. And everyone in there, and that's where they're that's where they're getting their ads and sponsorship money. Mm-hmm. like after kickoffs, uh, but general yeah. commercials that happens in, in NFL and college game as well. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I'd I'd rather uh, 
Yeah, I'd, I'd rather have a, qu- a slightly quicker play clock, get some more plays out there instead of watching guys spend six seconds celebrating a sack or it's, a first It's down. like the, the the soccer model. Like I, I get up and watch, even though I don't necessarily care about the team usually. Saturday morning when I'm getting up, getting breakfast, getting started, I'll watch soccer because it's continuous play. Yeah. There's no commercials breaking it up. Like This is more like that where the, the play is nonstop. And honestly, uh, I'm a big advocate and, and always been uh, somebody who is pretty vocal about thinking football is better on TV um, because the NFL is better on TV because you, you can see the reviews you're not sweating because it's you know the NFL starts in the hottest part of the year especially down in Florida um, and, and just the overall there's you know 40 seconds in between so at least I can do something else stay entertained I you know I can fast forward through commercials and stuff the in-game experience in the XFL, and I don't know if it's because of the the kind of people that are going, and people aren't taking it so seriously because it's a brand new team. It's the stakes aren't as high. It's not life or death. Uh, nobody's <clears throat> jeopardizing or, or going on thirty years of fandom. I thought it was a, a lot of fun. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, uh, we we did get a complaint. Somebody behind us that uh, told one of the security guards to to come up and say something to us, and she said, "We're getting complaints that you're standing up the whole game," and I was like. Are, are you aware that we're at a football game and we're sitting in the front yeah, row? We're what are not we supposed to do? gonna sit down. <laughs> yeah. And we weren't. It's not like we, we weren't like standing the whole time. But anytime a good play happened, we stood up. And sorry, like it's an exciting game. Yeah. What do you What do you want from me? Like uh, the, the, the stadium is set up like a stadium, so the the seats are staggered. You can stand up and see over all of us. So. Well, <laughs> most of us. <laughs> Uh, so, but yeah, big fan of the product. Again, uh, we'll be tailgating before every game. We're in 60. Um, we will hopefully be in the same kind of spot. We were the, the second row, uh, in the, in the tailgate area. You pretty much couldn't miss us. We have shirts, you know, if you're interested in a shirt or if you just want to come and hang out, we had all, all the different, you know, yard games, uh, flip cup, beer pong. We crashed some flip cup. Yeah. We had, uh, the little mini golf, whatever beer pong game that is. Uh, but a lot of the fun. Uh, hope, hopefully, the team plays a little bit better. They we're, well. we're still. We're they still did sh- play well. It was a good game. Yeah. It was close. Came down to the wire there. But um, I will, actually, couple, couple questionable that. coaching decisions. That's what I was gonna say. Let me rephrase that. I don't think the team played poorly. I still think we probably have one of, if not the best roster talent. Um, but the, the coaching has been has been questionable at best. Uh, you get down the goal line. We have, we have two of the top five runners in the league in rushing yards, and then you get down the goal line and throw it three times. Yeah, get um, out of here. We're continuing to to rotate quarterbacks. I don't care who the quarterback is at this point, at all. Uh, just let them play the whole game. Like just let just let them get a rhythm. It's the XFL, man. One you never know when that one play is going to happen. There's a lot of been there's been a lot of big plays happening. They had a huge play, kind of a blown coverage, it's like 65 yard touchdown. Those are the kind of things that are, are going to define games, and, and if you're, if a guy doesn't have the rhythm, that you're not going to get those in your favor. Be aggressive. Yeah, it's it's a hexafell, dude. Be aggressive. So that's going to be it for us today. Uh, obviously, again, if you if you're out at the Vipers games, we, we highly recommend it, even if you don't have tickets yet. Uh, they're doing all kinds of ticket deals and and discounts, and and even the day of the game, they're pretty cheap. Yeah, day of, go in, grab a ticket, come tailgate, hang out with us. Uh, we'd love to meet all of you guys. Uh, and hopefully, you know, you come out. So that's going to be it for us. We'll be back next week, recap uh, the game Sunday, and then everything else that's happened in sports. Go Vipers! Go Vipers. Go Vipers.